Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And I have one of my good friends and former guests returning, Christopher McCluskey. How are you, Chris? I'm great. And it's fantastic to be here, John. We were just reminiscing. We were at the Pinnacle Forum Conference and we got we were pulled into a an impromptu Holy Smokes meeting where we sat around till the wee hours of the morning having a cigar and talking about some just some deep important topics, weren't we? Well, we were. I mean, it sounds funny to say that. We were sitting around smoking cigars until the wee hours and talking deep things. It sounds like a bunch of guys just cutting up, but it was. It was the deepest stuff of life. And I think that's what we're going to be touching on today here. But it was incredible. Out under the stars with a bunch of very like-minded and like-spirited Christian leaders talking about the most important stuff in life, how we lead more effectively. Yeah. You know, everybody listening, this was the interesting thing that I observed because this has really been on my heart and it's what led to this specific podcast. These are some of the most amazing men, fathers, husbands, business leaders. They are in charge of media companies and nonprofits, some amazing nonprofits and businesses. And we had a guy there, a general from the Air Force, a colonel from the Army. I mean, this represented every sphere of influence that you could think of. And Chris, the entire conversation as we kept talking about how do we lead better? How do we be a better dad, a better husband? How do we then make a difference in, you know, locally in, in our community, have a difference in our nation? And the entire conversation over time moved toward what is coaching? How do we coach? How do we use coaching? And very few people around the circle were what I would call trained coaches. And out of that, that's why Chris and I decided we're going to title this thing, How Coaching Solves All of Your Problems and the Worlds. And so really the genesis of this conversation came from watching a bunch of amazing people realize that it is learning how to coach, not becoming a coach, not going out and maybe becoming a professional coach. Yeah, it really was an incredible opportunity to explore more deeply. The talk that I had given just earlier that night, putting this more in context, like why were we talking about this and why did coaching come up? I had delivered a keynote that night that was just on the leader as coach. And so here we were now with these 20, 25 persons out there around this uh, fire pit. And the topic of now what is coaching and how if I don't want to become a coach, but I want to integrate a coach approach into my leadership, how can that impact that? Don, you remember that talk, it was one in which I turned the attention of the audience mostly to themselves, mm -hmm. examining their own roles as leader in all the different areas of influence <laughs> that God's placed them from, from the very micro and just your own marriage or your own parenting or grandparenting your church and your community and then your business or your parachurch ministries and all that was where a lot of the focus was was on examining self so it wasn't wasn't like let me explain coaching to you here and get into a, a highly academic talk very very personal talk and the room erupted into a standing ovation at the end that ovation was not for Chris McCluskey that ovation was such a resonance I believe within each person recognizing truth that this skill set that none of us necessarily just get trained in in high school or college is a key piece of being able to lead far more effectively. And it was just like a yes and amen kind of a confirmation. I think that's why we spilled out into that conversation that night. Yeah, I do too. I remember that the room erupted and 
I remember sitting there looking around the room and I was like, man, I would love to give two cents to hear what everybody took away because I'll guarantee you it's so different. But here's what we re- you know, if we look at everything though in our world and each individual's, you know, we need to kind of really bring it back to what's happening to each one of us personally. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, you know, for me, just raising my kids, helping them to really connect with who they are, understand their passions, keep their faith as they move out into the world. I'm looking at my employees, how to develop them, tap in, you know, get them into their best role, a role that they were designed for. I mean, we could go on and on and on about all these things that we need to do. Not, and, I, and I define leader as somebody who has a positive influence over someone else, at least one person. So mm-hmm. everybody listening, when I say the word leader, I don't want you to think of somebody on an org chart that's sitting in the corner off because that's not how I think about leadership. It's not a positional thing. It's, a, it's about who you are and how you show up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what we're going to talk about today, everybody, is what's happening in the world where I believe this where coaching has gotten to a place that it is such a clear required tool of anybody that really wants to have a positive influence that in a room of, I don't know how many people there, thousand people, 600 people, you get a standing ovation when you talk about it, Chris. In your life, what was the first place when you realized, okay, you know what? Because you were trained as a therapist mm-hmm. and you're really dealing with brokenness and healing from the past. Yep. But when was that point when you said, you know what? I'm going to make this pivot into coaching. What prompted that for you? Well, it was that same theme that I think we're both saying uh, explains the reaction that we got that night at the Pinnacle Forum conference, that internal resonance. Resonance is, is um, well, it's a term that we oftentimes use with music, where um, the strings of a piano will resonate with each other. You can strike one key and the other keys at each octave that mimic that let's say at the middle C, high C and on up and down the register, it'll, it'll, the other strings will be vibrating very, very subtly, but it can be picked up with instruments and, and a trained ear can hear it. But also the thirds and the fifths, the other things that would make a full chord out of a note, they resonate. If there's other instruments in the room, a guitar or, or a violin, they'll even be resonant. And those are inanimate objects, but that's where we get the concept of resonance being that that something is responding to very strongly in a similar way, something else that was a stimuli. When people hear coaching and understand that it is about a way of, as you said, showing up, a way of being, and that being, that manner of being is about being in question, being willing to ask the questions that are begging to be asked and to sit with them, to be with them in that space of not knowing and waiting for truth to be revealed, waiting for the Lord to unveil, to reveal things that are in there that he's placed within there. So we're asking the right questions, but we oftentimes don't adopt that posture of then listening for the answer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We don't take that posture oftentimes. Coaching is a way of approaching all of life, any problems, personal, individual, or relational, any, any kind of context you can put to it, and posing the questions that are begging to be asked, and then actively listening to draw forth the answers that do, in fact, begin to present themselves. And what I'd like to add to that, that area of listening, what if every one of us 
started to think differently that instead of having to go seek and dig and find the answer, like you're on this crazy treasure hunt, that a lot of those answers to exactly what you need to do maybe right now in the moment, today, this week, for these different situations in your life are actually right there. They are with you. They are inside you. And what I have seen is coaching, instead of going on a treasure hunt, it's actually like this beautiful process of just revealing what you already know, making it personal, creating some new learning maybe around maybe how to approach your teenage son or how to deal with a coworker or as a pastor, how to engage with your staff or certain kind of parishioners, whatever it happens to be. And you can immediately, once you access that learning, now put it into action. And I think that is the power of coaching. I agree because, as you said, you can immediately put it into action. Why? Because it came from within you. And the moment you hear yourself say it out loud, all of us can relate to that experience that that somebody poses uh, the right question at the right time. Maybe it's our wife. Maybe we're just having windshield time out driving somewhere. But she poses a question to us. And we sit with that question until we begin to kind of explore pieces of the answer. And all of a sudden, we hear come tumbling out of our own mouth something that just stops us in our tracks and say, man, I needed to hear myself say that. What in the world do we really mean? We mean that, well, it was in there, but I didn't have access to it. Like I didn't consciously fully know that that was the direction or that was the value that was driving this thing or that was the internal struggle or that was the next step until I heard myself articulate it. The moment I do, not only do I get that resonance that, yeah, that's it, but I know what to do with it. You can begin to see the next three, five, ten steps down the road. Because again, it's now, it's language within my own languaging, my own way of doing things, my own strengths and all. There's so much more holistic ability to grab a concept and run with it when it's been drawn out from within us to begin with than somebody else handing us their version of maybe the same, very same thing. But it's going to be language in their world and, and drawing upon their strengths and the way they did it. And they read this book and they tried this and this is what worked for them. There we're trying to adapt and adopt and fumbling with things very, very different than when something is drawn out from the core of our very being. You know, that's a really good point. And that kind of highlights the difference between coaching and mentoring. Because yeah, let's say like, here's an example, right? I was coming out of my accident. I'd spent two years in a hospital bed. I knew that I could not do what I had done previously for work. It was just physically not possible. I'm starting to, to get better. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like the whole world, I, I get this chance, Chris, to completely rewrite my script. Mm-hmm. I've been given this second chance. I can go do anything. Oh my goodness, like how do you choose? I mean, I'm, I was like a little kid who walks into Rocket Fizz for the first time. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's this like old time candy store with like tens of thousands of different kinds of stuff, right? It's like, hey, go choose. And now go in there and choose one thing. Oh my gosh, right? It's kind of how I felt. And now mentorship would be, and, and sometimes this is really appropriate. I love finding a mentor who has... I say that our job, especially as believers, is to be a fruit inspector. If I'm going to be mentored by somebody, which means is that I'm going to let them share with me what they did, give me advice on how to do it. It's great sometimes in a corporation because they can help you maybe navigate the landscape. 
they might really share your values. They're going to uh, maybe a certain kind of same point that you are in life that they were. They're going to share with you what they did, how they made the decision. It might work really well for you. And I said might, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have to realize is, this is something I realized early on. I remember I got out of the Navy and a guy who was incredibly wealthy, he had a million dollar mansion on the water in La Jolla in Southern California, offered to mentor me. And he was on his third wife and he did not have a relationship with his kids, but he drove a Ferrari. There you go. He offered to mentor me. And when I looked at that, I said, okay, well, if I listen to him, I'm going to get the results that he got. And he was really surprised, Chris, when I, pa when I passed. Took a pass on that. Because I knew that if I followed his advice, yes, I'd be wealthy, but I'd probably lose my relationship with my wife, Donna. We've now been married 30 years. Mm -mm -mm. So that is mentorship. But here's what happened is coaching, I think, you know what? I think we're all really smart and we can figure this stuff out. I think it would have probably literally probably taken me one or two years to really kind of land on the thing. But through this whole process as I'm recovering, I get referred to Jeff Spatafora who is yeah. a coach who we both know and half literally halftime coach, halftime and still a lot of you have gotten the book through our podcast. Literally within three months, I was out with, he never gave me any advice. He never told me what to do. He never gave me one suggestion by coaching, asking me questions, listening, saying things back to me, sharing some insights. Like John, when you're talking about this, it almost sounds like you feel like you should do that versus something you want to do. I'm like, whoa. When he said that, it, like somebody like broke the glass because I felt because mm -hmm. I was still operating under, I think, the shroud of the what I call the tyranny of they, right? Yes. The expectations of everybody outside versus yeah. really listening to God inside. So what an amazing gift that Jeff gave me because within three months of working with him, I was not only like dialed into what was next. I was so fired up because I knew with total certainty it was right. I moved into coaching with absolute passion, even though I didn't have a lot of energy. And that's when you and I first met, Chris. That's exactly right. And that's a really good example of somebody coming alongside of you, Jeff Spatafore, showing up there in coach mode and not pouring into you, not mentoring you, not advising you. Not that there's anything wrong with those, as you said a moment ago, but he wasn't coming from outside of you and saying, John, you should do this. Hey, I think you ought to look at this. You know, your skill set says you'd be really good at this over here. And consulting or advising or guiding or directing or mentoring, those are all outside in, somebody else providing to each of us what they think we need, what they think would help. And it may or it may not, but instead Jeff shows up with questions saying, I don't know. Not my job to know. No, no pressure on me to try to dump the answer into you, but I'll come alongside of you and I will listen not to you. I will listen not only to you, but with you. I will listen along with you. I will pose the same questions that are begging to be asked and I'll prompt on them. I'll prod and I'll dig and I'll, I'll coax you further to what else? And what would that look like? And who do you know who's done that? How did they do that? What could you do similarly? Who could help you? When could this be possible for you? He just showed up in question and alongside of you in that coach approach, drew out from you the things you needed to hear yourself saying. And son of a gun, right? Things become clear. 
Yeah. And hey, Chris, I want to throw something out there because I want to give all the parents of the world, everybody globally, because this coaching is a universal skill. We're actually, I've taught coaching in Germany. We're teaching it to a group in Rwanda. I've taught it in England. I'll guarantee you that coaching is a universal skill that actually helps you bridge even any kind of cultural divides. I think that is one of the reasons why it's so important in this multicultural, very diverse, very multi-generational world that we're in. So I absolutely believe it's the answer. But let me ask you a question. One of the hardest areas is raising teenagers, Mr. McCluskey. <laughs> how does all the parents out there, I want to give them some hope right now and get them excited. How, how does coaching apply when you're raising those amazing little kids you have under your roof? Oh, my word. Okay, okay. We're I looking love this at, part. Yeah, we're looking at all the different ways that coaching can solve all of the world's problems, including our own, right? Might as yes. well look at that parenting challenge. Well, as you know, John, we have seven kids. We've been blessed richly, Rachel and I. Our youngest is 12, so he's right on the cusp of the teenage years. Our oldest is 28. So we've passed through the teenage years with a lot of these kids, launched them on out of the nest and the older ones are doing very well out in the world. The younger ones are still finding themselves. And that's what the teenage years are all about is self-discovery. Who am I? And that process is one that requires both mentorship mm -hmm. and coaching. Just, just what we were juxtaposing just a moment ago. And can I throw in there that I think mentorship is really important when there's almost like this gap in knowledge, right? That's there's right. A point where it, it doesn't make sense for me to ask a question because they don't have a context. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the information. So coaching and mentorship are not ex mutually exclusive. They're actually, I believe, designed to work together coherently. Absolutely. This is why we always emphasize the leaders that we train here at Professional Christian Coaching Institute are simply adding to their skill set when they get training coaching. They're not stopping whatever they were doing before and becoming Correct. a coach. They're adding it into the consulting and the counseling and the pastoring and the boardroom leadership and the parenting or whatever else they've been doing. It's a skill set that we are not taught in high school or college. And unless you were maybe training for the Phillips psychotherapy, although that was my background and I wasn't trained in the coach approach like we teach now, it's just not a skill set that we're going to automatically figure out how to be in question. We want to be in the answers. So coaching as a parenting mode in the teenage years, I would say knowing that the teenage years are all about the child beginning to break away, hopefully in a very healthy way from home and hearth, you know, just learning their value as a human being up until they're 11, 12, 13 years old. Now they're going out of the big wide world more in junior high and high school and asking that same question. Now, who am I according to these people in these various arenas, in the academic world or the athletic world or the popularity world or the intellectual world, whatever their spheres might be that they're exploring, they need lots of pouring in from well-intentioned coaches and teachers and pastors and youth ministers and, and supports and all, and they need someone coming along and drawing out, calling forth, exploring with them in the coach role. And I'm not sure that we really understand that if we haven't been trained in what we're describing as professional grade coaching. When we think coach, we think more like somebody on the sidelines yelling instructions and plays mm -hmm. and getting on somebody. No, that's outside in. That's, that's a different use of the word coach. When we're talking it here in leadership in any capacity, it is a coming alongside of in questions and inviting the individual to explore. So when our teenagers are met not with directives, 
not with answers, not with requirements at every turn, but instead also met with questions and an invitation to just explore. And we listen with them. Those kids are aided in their self-discovery process like nobody's business. I don't think too many kids, too many teenagers especially, get that opportunity. And when they do, and they have that same experience that we all have of, of hearing themselves say something and then it stops them in their tracks. And they say, whoa, I need to hear myself say that. As soon as I did, I got really excited or I teared up. I got a choke in my throat because I know what I just said there is what I really want or feel or believe. Yeah. Now, here's a quick example. Two years ago, my son, Matthew, said he wants to be in the MLB. I'm like, okay, buddy. What does it take to get in the MLB? So he came up with some ideas. He actually did all this research. And I said, hey, what do you need to do to get better? What is your workout plan? I didn't want to tell him. I've worked out my whole life, but I didn't want to go give him dad's plan. No. So he's come up with his plan. He now, do you know, on his own, because this has all been his idea. He's taken the ownership. He's done the research. We've figured out how to apply it. I just want, I'm so proud of him because this weekend I was telling you, there was a college uh, coaches combine and there's something called exit velocity. It's how hard you hit the ball when it comes off the bat. The minimum velocity for a division one coach when you're a senior in high school to even look at you is 93 miles per hour. There's very few kids younger than senior year in high school that are hitting that threshold. Well, my son, Matthew, is a sophomore. And the, at this coach's combine yesterday, Chris, he hit 94 off the bat. <laughs> Every coach came over and said, uh, who are you again? Who are you again? Right. What but, are you doing? <laughs> but here's the exciting thing. Because of coaching, he owned it. This wasn't like a thing, oh, dad's pushing me. I'm getting burned out. I don't want to go to practice anymore at all. Now, think about how empowering that has been for him in his life and also creating habits that I believe are going to serve him his whole life. Now, imagine if everybody in our world that we touch at work, at church, small group, whatever, that we are just showing up in a way that we're actually helping them get better in whatever that they do uh, because of how we are just interacting with them. So that said, I would love for you to describe, Chris, what is, because you just mentioned it, professional grade coaching. Why is this a skill that we keep talking about and what, what is it? Well, I think I can explain it with some other illustrative stories. People get stories and we're not bragging on our kids. We know our kids better than anybody else, right? So we can talk yep. about our kids and we're talking about the teenage years. As I said, some of my children are now in their latter teens. Our oldest daughter is 28 years old. Alyssa is married five years in a wonderful, beautiful Christian marriage with a young man who got an engineering degree and went and worked the traditional J-O-B. He got a great job as an engineer, and he married into a family that takes a coach approach to everything. Really? And all of our kids have been raised with this very entrepreneurial mindset. They've always had me, dad, working at home. They've known that dad kind of colors outside the lines. I live outside the boxes because I'm always in question. I'm always willing to explore and listen what could be possible. Well, this has been raised that way. She owns her own business, a very successful photography business. And James, her husband, watching that, began to recognize within a year or so of, of doing his engineering job where he shows up and somebody else says, here's your desk. Here's your office. Here's your job description. This is the area where you're going to be working and evaluating these tension and pressure points on things. He did what he was trained for. 
He wasn't doing what his heart was longing for mm. and taking a coach approach with him, a professional grade, questions-based, genuinely exploratory space, not father-in-law coming and saying, you know, you really could make more money doing this or you'd provide better for my daughter if you did. <laughs> None of that. It's, he was providing great. Everything was fine, but it wasn't coming from his core. It wasn't coming from his passion. And instead, we just entered into a space of being willing to be with his questions about passions and vision for his future. How would you like to be able to raise your kids once kids start coming along? Now, of course, they have little baby George. John, you know, he's, you know, we're grandparents mm -hmm. now, so yeah. baby comes along. They've lived into a vision that came from that coach approach. He runs his own business, Fresh Eyes Inc. He does website design, high-end development kind of websites for large companies where they might be selling any number of things online as well as small companies. And they're working from home, both of them. We spent the whole weekend with them this week. Why? Because they run their businesses. They're totally portable. How did that happen? Because they stayed with questions of vision, future orientation, tapping inner skill sets and desires and longings. They talked and they just listened until they heard themselves speaking forth vision. That's really, that's an illustration of what a coach approach does. When you're doing coaching with a team, a work team, you're doing a coach approach with people who are, you know, you mentioned earlier training coaches in several different countries. Here at the Institute, we've trained now in more than 60 different countries around the world. We see that the questions-based approach accommodates any culture. Why? Because you're asking those people in that culture what they need. When you take a coach approach with a work team that's in some other culture where they've got boots on the ground, they're not having top-down outside advice. Here's what you should do. Here are your markers. They're having instead their leaders ask them, what's working over there? What else do you think might work? Who's best at that? Who can we tap as a resource? In that exploratory, curious space, Answers begin to present that accommodate and adapt well to individual cultures, be they work cultures or country cultures, race cultures, age cultures, beautifully adaptable. Yes, it is. And let me tell one more story because I want to really talk about how this works in business too, because this works across spheres, government, anyway. But anyway, so somebody called me, picked up the phone and called me and he goes, John, you know, I need your help. I'm like, well, this is somebody I knew. They knew that I was a coach. And I said, what's going on? They said, listen, we just hit our four-month anniversary of our six-month project. And, <laughs> all right? So this thing has been extended, right? Our four-year anniversary. A few times. <laughs> of our six-month project. The project manager just set new goals that nobody understands or gets. Wow. And two of my best employees just walked into my office and handed me their resignations with their smile on their face, meaning there's no negotiation here. And do you know one of them left to actually go take a job where they got paid less because they were looking for a culture. And I said, okay, what have you tried so far? Hey, we've brought in people to train our managers. We've given them books. We've tried to enact HR policies. We've tried to do new onboarding. Not only has nothing changed, but now it's getting worse. Yeah. And I said, well, if this continues, what's going to happen? Well, the labor market's really tight right now. And some of their best people with leadership and some people skills have left the company. Now you're in a position where I'm forced almost 
to hire that person with the best technical skill. Maybe they're a computer programmer or whatever they do. And you have to move them into a leadership role. I mean, a defined one where I actually need people's skills because I'm now, I have direct reports and he's just scared that he was scared that this was going to create overwhelm in some of those people that weren't ready to be promoted, but they needed to be promoted and also drive more people out of the company. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's, why don't we get together and I'll talk to you about what I can do to help. And I said, so in the prognosis was uh, everything that you heard. Here was uh, my diagnosis. My prescription was, why don't we come in and teach your management level coaching skills? Because guess what? Your young computer programmer who's now in a leadership role, they might not be great with people, but I'll guess what? I know that I can teach them how to ask questions how to listen, how to share things back, and how to create some frameworks in how their team works that create accountability, that build relationship and reduce conflict. And let me just share with you a year later, actually, it's now been 18 months. Chris, that company was plateaued. It has now uh, grown over 500%. It was like somebody dropped the parking brake. Mm. And their turnover in the last year has been zero. Before that, it was over 30% a year. Now, I want you to think about, everybody listening, we talked about, and we didn't even have time to talk about what happened. You were, we're going to do it before we started hitting record, what happened recently in the church. But I'll guarantee you that if we were on a live call-in show right now and somebody said, hey, guys, could you tell me a story about how coaching impacted fill in the blank? We could tell you a story about any sphere of influence in this country where coaching has had a not only a positive effect but a kingdom effect an eternal effect because what we're doing is helping people understand really who they are at the core i really feel at the foundational piece it's getting people to work in the area of their values and through that understand who they were created to be their core identity their identity in christ versus the one they see in the mirror and Chris, what would you, what do you think is just that, that foundation that everything is built on? Well, I think that the numbers speak for themselves. You know, you were giving an example of a client that you've worked with and the incredible, phenomenal kind of results that they got in a relatively short period of time, because instead of a manager coming in and saying, here's our goals. And everybody says, I don't even know what that means. And I don't have any buy into them. Instead, they start listening because they've got coaching skills and they see over 500% growth and zero turnover and all. We know now that more than 40% of Fortune 500 companies are employing coaches, Mm -hmm. professional grade coaches trained in alignment with the International Coach Federation standards of coaching, exactly what we're talking about today. More than 40% of them are using them now. And that number is just projected to continue to climb quickly. I'm just thinking of a couple of conferences I've come back from where I have heard the leadership talking about their coach approach, and they meant exactly what we're talking about here. Rick Warren there at Saddleback Church, or I'm thinking of Cheryl Batchelder, who just mm-hmm. completely turned around Popeye's chicken right now. Yeah, and was a coach thinking, approach. And yeah, even if totally. you know, like my son, John, he's 22. He went and got certified as a coach. I think anybody that has aspirations in a business career, even though you're not leading people formally yet, Uh, or you are leading people formally, just learning coaching skills is absolutely going to make you better at what you do and differentiate you today. Absolutely differentiate you today. 
Yeah. I mean, somebody whose name is as much of a household name in leadership and small business circles as Michael Gerber, just mm -hmm. out the kind of coach training that we're talking about here today. When you take that in a leadership approach that you are meeting your people in an open exploratory, genuinely desiring their input and their perspective kind of a space. And then you help them to marshal what they hear themselves saying and to operationalize it, to begin to act on it, to set, you know, key indicators that will indicate for them whether or not they're making progress on that thing that they have such buy-in to. You bet it, it cuts down on turnover. Who wants to leave a company that's valuing its people and giving them that much authority to be able to cooperatively work with the leadership? Nobody would want to leave that. Well, think about this. How, who wouldn't want to leave a company where Monday morning you're driving into work and you feel like, you know what? I'm going to a place where I have friendships. And I'm that, valued. And, and I'm valued. My boss has my back. And even when we're in disagreement, we're all in alignment. And I'll guarantee you there's people listening going, well, that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's like the rainbow unicorn and I'd love to find it. I'll tell you right now. Um, I have seen those companies. I've been part of many, many of those companies, not just the ones I've been uh, privileged to help coach into, but other leaders like that. And I really believe there's a movement happening where that is going to become the new standard because people that are out there being employed are going to demand it and say that I'm only going to work in a company like that. And if my company's not like that, I'm going to be here as, as short a time as possible to fill in the gap. That's exactly right. We are seeing here at the Institute, John, whole organizations come, companies as well as nonprofit ministries. We have been privileged to train some of the largest household name type companies in their entire core leadership, Campus Crusade for Christ, Crew, or YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Focus on the family now, all of their telephone intake people. Navigator has us coming out and doing a week-long coach camp and a private offering of training for the people. Convene, as you know, and Halftime and so many others. Why are they getting their people trained in coaching? Because they want them to be coaches? No, because they want them to take a coach approach to the roles they're already in. They're going to remain in those roles of leadership, but they're seeing this less directive, more cooperative, listening-based approach have dynamic impact in a rapidly changing, constantly changing workforce. You take old top-down style approaches to today's dynamic changing workforce, forget about it. You'll be a dinosaur in less than five years. Yeah, you'll right? get some short-term results. I do think it works sometimes short-term, but sure, to sure. create long-term success, it doesn't work. So, Chris, everybody listening, I started my entire coaching journey by getting introduced to you and I took the Essentials of Life coaching course through the Professional Christian Coaching Institute. Then I actually went back and took the Essentials of Leadership coaching. I was very, uh, I liked it. There's a little different focus on both. Right. Uh, so how do people find out more if they go, you know what, I want to explore this. Maybe this is something I want to do. And the great thing for everybody listening, the way that Professional Christian Coaching Institute did Remember, I was coming out of two years in a hospital. I couldn't go to a class. I couldn't show up at a workshop. I didn't even want to literally be on a webcam because I literally could shower a couple times a month. I mean, I was bedridden, but my mind was sharp. And so everything is through Telebridge. 
You guys have an entire curriculum that's taught basically on the phone, audio. You have the books, the homework. There's things that happen during the week. It's absolutely one of the most incredible equipping programs. I got to tell you, when I first saw that format, I'm like, I wonder if that's going to work for me because I'm so visual mm -hmm. and it worked phenomenal. I think I've taken almost every course in the PCCI catalog as I've now really made it my focus to move toward mastery level coaching. I don't believe I'm there yet, but I'm always taking small steps that direction. But Chris, how do people find out more about the programs, the initial step of coaching certification, something they can bring back into their job right now and or their parenting or their ministry and just apply tomorrow? Mm. Well, John, first, thank you for all those kind words. And I'll go one further and say, you know, we are privileged to have you serve on our faculty here. John teaches a course for us in our school of leadership coaching because of the incredible background he brought and because you can hear how much he embraces all that a professional grade approach to coaching is really all about. We do have nearly 350 hours worth of ICF, International Coach Federation, ICF approved training. And we are by far the largest Christian school in the world, as I said, training in more than 60 countries now, all via distance. All of our courses, you just phone in to a telebridge line. And you have, of course, college level reading and assignments, exercises, peer coaching, but there's no tests, right? There's no papers, there's no grades. This is adult level learning, transitioning. Most of our, most of our students are typically midlifers, somewhere in the late 30s to mid 50s, and they are, or mid 60s rather, and they are adding to their skill set. They're doing the same kind of retooling, just like what you did. So any information on all of that can be found at our website, which is professionalchristiancoaching.com. Easy to remember, professionalchristiancoaching.com. We have a whole team of academic advisors that will actually talk with you individually and help you to understand the many different approaches. You can go as simply as just the introductory course, kind of wade into the shallow end, or you can take the entire slate of courses to move toward various certifications with the International Coach Federation, and you can tailor it with certain niche areas where you really want to apply most of your coaching, that's more on the life coaching side or the leadership coaching side. Yeah, so I would encourage everybody out there listening as an individual. My son who's 22 has done this, I've done this. And also, if we were asked, Chris, by the Air Force, the Air Force looked at their entire landscape, their leadership culture, how important their mission is, their turnover, and realized that they needed uh, it was a requirement for them to bring coaching skills into their mid-level management because they felt like after their research that this is what addressed some of the challenges they're having as these new generations are coming in and, and the pace of the world is happening. So we were hired by the Air Force to come in and teach that to them. And so and the story that I told you guys about this business, it came from that exact same approach. So if anybody is out there who's leading a team, you're running, you're running a company and you want to do a short workshop for, you know, it's a small number or a large number of people, I'd be happy to talk to you about what that looks like, how we do that, what it looks like over time. It's called Coaching and Mentoring for Excellence. So just email me, jramstead, R-A-M-S-T-E-A-D, at beyondinfluence.com or just go to our website, beyondinfluence.com and I'd be happy to just share with you some information on how we go into a, an intact team and teach a group of managers, supervisors how to coach. So like we started out, it almost started tongue-in-cheek, right? Coaching solves all of your problems and, and the, the world's. world's. <laughs> Hopefully we helped you guys maybe shift your perspective that you know what? 
I don't know if it's not the solution, but I think it's an essential skill set and tool. And with that, Chris, any just final thoughts as we just wrap up this fun conversation? Well, I'm glad that you pointed that out, that we were being more than just tongue in cheek. We really do believe that this is an essential skill set, an essential approach to marketplace realities in Mm -hmm. the 21st century. We do believe that those organizations, for-profit and non-profit, that do not adopt a coach approach are going to suffer terribly for it in turnover and in loss of motivation around their primary goals and therefore in influence and market share, any measure that you put to it, they're going to suffer. So I do believe that all leaders owe it to themselves to do some further research at least, to look into, okay, so I heard that topic on coaching, solving all the world's problems in my own. What does that really mean? What is this International Coach Federation? What is this professional grade coaching? Because it is an essential skill set for the 21st century marketplace. Absolutely. Awesome. So with that, everybody, I encourage you to just go forth, go knock them alive out there. Just realize that, you know what? And if you're stuck, how about this? If you just almost kind of feel like in your own life, you're just kind of stuck, right? In your marriage, with your kids at work, trying to figure out what's next. You're just in a place of ambiguity. How about just this? A great way to figure out if coaching might be right for you to learn how to do it, go hire a coach. Go find somebody that you can work with. Experience it the way I did, the way Chris did, because it was that transformational, literally, meaning permanent change, that transformational experience that for me was why I went in this direction. But having that in that moment, I could have been a different direction, maybe not as a coach back into business, I don't know, but it was the coaching that was so powerful in my life. And it'd be great for y'all to experience it. So that would be my kind of call to action. Explore it or go hire a coach because I know that you are going to look back on that decision and go, wow, that right there was the pivot point. I truly (laughs) believe that. That's well said, John. They'll have that experience we were talking about at the beginning of the episode where they say, whoa, I needed to hear myself say that. Yep. The coach will draw it out. Awesome. Thank you, Chris, for everything you've done, for all the amazing hard work over decades, building the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, how you just love and mentor and pour yourself selflessly into everybody around you and into this world and into God's kingdom in such a beautiful way that's just an example to everybody who knows you. And I got to tell you, just the benefit everybody out there, if you do tuck into PCCI, is the fact that you'll get to know Chris a little bit better. And that just will enrich in your life. (laughs) I love you, man. (laughs) Love you as well, man. What a joy. What a joy to do this work together. Bless you.